This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Well, welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we're going to continue to have our conversation around Jonah. In the previous episode, uh, John Aiken and myself were joined by Matt Caps and Josh Redberg, and we gave kind of an overview of the book and kind of how they preach through it in their churches. And so what we're going to do now is just begin to jump through each chapter. And so we're going to start here, obviously, with chapter one. And um, so so let's, let's, let's jump in. Matt, we'll jump in with you. And what I want you to do, kind of just think about it in this way, give an overview of the book for people that are in their car that don't have, you know, Jonah one memorized, give just a, a brief synopsis of the chapter. And then maybe we can talk through also any, if there's any textual issues that scholars get hung up on uh, that people might have questions about. So yeah, in, Matt. thanks for inviting me back after mentioning the uh, anchor Bible commentary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jonah one is, it really is, is just to, in some ways the introduction to the story. And it's, it, it, it kind of gives you an in- indication of this, this dark twist, this troubled prophet, who is called by God to go preach um, repentance uh, to a people that um, really the, the the Israelites were not big fans of. Um, you know, Nineveh is in Assyria, and and the Assyrians had tried to wipe out the Israelites several times, and uh, so now God is calling this prophet Jonah, who is I think has a comfortable ministry there in Israel. Uh, or as a, as a, as Israelite as a Hebrew prophet to go and preach repentance to a people, preach blessings to a people that that really he doesn't like, and um, and so that that's where the story starts. And obviously, if you if you read chapter one, you see that Jonah flees um, from God, and this is where like the the narrative of the text I think is is really beautiful because you know it says there's this progression in the story in chapter one of of Jonah um, heading down uh, to Joppa to find a ship and boarding a ship and going down to Tarshish and then going down into the bowels of the ship and then eventually going down into the bottom of the sea. And, you know, from the Hebrew going down is almost is symbolic of heading down into death. So you're running away from God. You're running away from his call. And, um, and, and on the ship, it's this beautiful juxtaposition of these pagan sailors um, crying out to God because as Jonah goes uh, away from God's call and away from the people he's called to, God um, um, throws judgment um, at the sea in which Jonah is fleeing. And and in this ship, Jonah is surrounded by these pagan sailors who are crying out to their to their gods and nothing's happening. And, and, and Jonah realizes, obviously, like, you know, this is on me. And um, so as the sailors hurl Jonah into the sea, um, you know, the, 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 um, the storm stops. And, um, so there's, I mean, there really is, as, as you get the end of chapter one, there's just, you're set up for all sorts of connections to Christ and you're set up to all 
sorts of connections you can make with your people when it comes to rebellion and how their rebellion affects others um, and really leads them in through their own spiritual death. Um, so I don't know if you'd, if you'd add anything yeah. else to that. I mean, there's just a lot packed into chapter one. Yeah. And we'll come back to the Christ connections and then also application. John, uh, anything you would add as far as overview or any textual issues that kind of scholars get caught up on? I, I would just say, so just uh, some, uh, historical background as well, just to add on to what Matt already said, that one of the challenges that jo- Jonah was in terms of his background, we see in second Kings 14 kind of was a prophet during a prosperous time of a wicked king, uh, Jeroboam II. And he preached a positive message there that God would restore land, Israel. Um, and it had already been prophesied that Israel, that Assyria is going to be God's judgment against the Northern Kingdom, which takes place within decades after Jonah's ministry. I mean, within about 50, 40 to 60 years. Um, and so you can understand why there would be some reluctance when this is public enemy number one. And then just yeah. historically, one of the things that we know about the Assyrians is that they were a ruthless people. They would uh, tear the arms off of people. They would peel their skin off while they were still alive. They would uh, take people and bury them in the sand up to their neck, take their tongue out and nail it to the ground. Like this is just an unbelievably wicked people. Uh, and so that it can it can tell us why both in terms of Israel's position globally at the time and because of their ruthlessness, why somebody would be reluctant uh, to go and preach to them. Now we're going to talk through what God, God's chastisement on uh, Israel, but um, those are, those are definitely some of the things that, um, that, that come out to just, just help us back in terms of historical background. Mm-hmm. Josh, anything you would add there just on summary or a textual, textual things? Less of a textual question, more of a um, question when you're preaching it is deciding how much of chapter four you're going to bring into chapter one. Um, chapter four shines a, really tells us why Jonah runs. Chapter one doesn't. And so you just have to decide as a preacher what you can do with that. Are you going to let it, are you sort of going to let the, the story unfold naturally? Or are you going to, um, are you going to you know, focus the entire series that you preach through on the answers that you get in chapter four? So just a question. I don't think it's a right or wrong thing, uh, but something as a, as a preacher you have to decide is how much you let uh, the answers of chapter four influence the preaching of chapter one. How much did you do? I tried to keep a little more of the suspense. Um, So I seeded some things in chapter one that would resolve in chapter four. Um, But I, I, I didn't really get into the reasons for Jonah's disobedience, uh, just the more the shock of his disobedience. So I remember reading some other opening lines from the other prophets that all start like Jonah, except Jonah's is unexpected because instead of doing what God says, he he's the only prophet who doesn't. So mm. try to look more at the shock of his disobedience and not the reason for it. Um, but it seeded a few things that I knew I'd get to in chapter four. And also with the, with the shock, there's also, you can build sympathy towards Jonah, really. I mean, if you, like John was saying, if you go back and look at, like Isaiah or Nahum and see just how, I mean, woe to the city of blood. I mean, these, these people were bad. And so you can almost help. You almost can build some sympathy towards Jonas where people understand. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a big call. It's a risky call to go and there. And you can understand why Jonah wouldn't want to go. That allows you to really help um, stir up, you know, just self-reflection in your people as well when it comes to the mission of God. So it's good. 
I so I just just and I, I think what they've said is great. I I tell the reason up front. And so I, I said, you know, this chapter four, verse two, this is what I said when I was still in my country and why I didn't want to go. Yeah. Because I knew that you're merciful and you're slow to anger. And and the reason why I do that is because I think in the context that I've preached it so far is that because I build up, because I think there's a lot of people who, who are afraid to be missionaries, not because they think that God is certainly going to save the people that they go to. I think there's people that they're just afraid of crossing culture. They're afraid of the unknown. And they may think yeah. that's what, that's why Jonah's not doing this. And so I want to like, correct at least that it's like, Hey, listen, Jonah's problem here. Isn't that he's afraid of what they might do to him. He's afraid of what God's going to do to Nineveh. He's going to be merciful. And so I, I use that to set up some of the other application that I have uh, in this passage. But I agree as you're unfolding a narrative, if there's a way you can do that, um, that keeps the suspense until chapter four. That's really helpful um, to do as well. Well, Matt, let's jump in then to to the Christ connection. So, how how would you how did you point it to Christ for your people, and then we'll go to application after that. Yeah, I think to to circle back around on Jonah's, you could say disposition towards Nineveh. I think, I mean, if you want to follow the the Brian Chapel method, there's a fallen condition focus. It's really easy to get to there. I mean. We are self-righteous by nature, have prejudice towards people. Um, but I think as you read the story, you see that um, in the end, we are Nineveh, right? Um, all of us are Nineveh. And, and, and Christ is, and, and in fact, you know, he is the, the, you could say the true and greater Jonah who followed the call of God and, and pursued a people who were, uh, you know, unworthy, evil and undeserving of grace. And, um, and so in the, using the narrative approach of chapter one and seeing the patterns um, you, you see in chapter one of, of Jonah being thrown into the storm of God's wrath, um, you know, obviously there's an easy way to get to Christ there. You know, the, 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 the pagan sailors are only saved because Jonah is thrown into the, the sea of wrath. Right. And so I, I remember preaching that and then, you know, heading over, directly to the, the cross, I mean, Christ is thrown into the storm of God's wrath so that we could be saved. Um, and, so, and then, obviously, as he goes into the, into the, the depths of the sea and into the, the fish, um, there's an obvious connection there with Christ going into the grave. And so there, there's, it's, it's really, um, there's a juxtaposition between Jonah and Christ um, and the mission. But I think as you read the story, you have to, we have to see ourselves as the Ninevites, right? Um, and and Christ is a true and greater Jonah who comes to save us despite our um, undeservedness. Um, so I think also I would I'd, I I'll try to focus on how our rebellion affects others, right? And and how hmm. and how we should see um, the love of Christ for others in comparison to our own prejudices and our own um, approach to others. Um, you know, I think that's something all of us struggle with. Um, and like John was saying a minute ago, if you see the heart of God in chapter four, I mean, Jonah knew. I mean, Jonah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was the first prophet sent out of Israel to a pagan people. And again, Jonah struggled with the fact that he knows that God is gracious um, and he doesn't. And Jonah doesn't want to show show grace to these people, uh, which is kind of the irony of the whole story. Um, and I think sometimes we treat people the same way. But I, if you look at the the humble, the gentle and lowly nature of Christ in the New Testament, 
you know, he, he treats all sorts of people with grace, the sinners, the tax collectors, the drunkards, the prostitutes. And so I think that's another way to get to Christ in the, in the, in the sermon as well. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017. And now, select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before Him. There will never be a moment without Him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. John, things you would add there? Not much in way of addition, maybe just to supplement. I think, you know, obviously you can quote Matthew 12 uh, at any point along the line here about the sign of Jonah, you know, three days in the fish, three days in the, in the earth, and then be raised mm-hmm. from the dead. Um, but I, what I focused on in the first chapter, again, because there's just going to be some overlap on some of this, what I focused on the first chapter was, again, just kind of salvation through judgment, that this idea that the way God saves is uh, through judgment and that it's, it's his judgment on Jonah, which leads to the sailors being saved. And that's going to kind of um, foreshadow what's going to happen later in the book. And then obviously what happens with Christ for the world um, and, and how that's the fulfillment of God's uh, promise to Abraham that in his offspring, he's going to bless all the nations and so I, I try to use, and we'll talk more about application in a second, but I try to use that, the, the Christ piece, as the, as the central foundation of the, of the sermon to then fuel the application of this is why we're called to love the world. This is why we're called to be missionaries and ambassadors for Christ. Um, I think you can also do, um, you know, you can also do by way of comparison and analogy, obviously, that, that you have Jonah's a disobedient prophet, Jesus is obedient prophet. Jonah's asleep in the in the uh, boat during the storm. Jesus is asleep in the boat during the storm, but Jonah has to be thrown in. Jesus can speak to the we- the winds and the waves, and they listen to him. Uh, Jonah's thrown in and undergoes judgment to save the mariners. Jesus does it to save um, the world, and so that kind of salvation through judgment, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, salvation comes to the world. And so that's kind of what I focused on there. Mm-hmm. Good, Josh. What what about you, brother? I'm very similar. The one additional thing was just using this as an opportunity to talk about uh, doubt. So a lot of people doubt whether Jonah could happen. You know, can a man really be swallowed by a fish and come out three days later? And I just made the point that that's actually more believable than a man dying. I mean, put in a grave and coming out three days later and that this this miraculous thing was actually a preview of something even far more miraculous. So I thought it was an opportunity to talk a little bit about um, our response or certain people's response to anything miraculous is just to doubt it. Um, But just as Jonah did um, survive three days in the belly of a whale, you know, like something far greater happened, which was Jesus died for three days and then came back from the dead. Uh, from the dead. So it, it, it was an opportunity to talk a little bit about people denying the reality of this account. Um, I just said those who deny that probably also deny that Jesus could 
um, could rise from the dead. And so we have got to understand that this is part of our faith is trusting that God does supernatural, miraculous things. Matt, why don't you uh, then kind of work us, you know, we want to be Christ-centered and clear, so work us through how you kind of applied this. We've talked about this a little bit already, but either, so any illustrations or applications that you particularly made to your for your people? Yeah, just uh, a couple that come to mind. Um, you know, the first one is, uh, again, this book really does strike at the heart of self-righteousness, and but also rebellion. And I do think there is something to be said um, uh, about uh, just trusting in idols and even self-effort. Uh, if you if you look at the the middle of chapter one, where you have the pagan sailors, you know, trying to row against the storm and crying out mm-hmm. to their own gods, um, there's just failure in both sides. That's the rowing against the 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 storm is almost failure of religion and self effort, and the crying out to your gods, you know, that that's uh, they, they both they, they both fail them. Uh, and so uh, I think there's an easy way to get mm-hmm. to to get to Christ there. Um, I also, what I also tried to focus on was how Jonah's rebellion not only affected him, but affected others, not only the pagan sailors, but also the, the Ninevites. I think in our culture, um, you know, we're very individualistic and we don't often see how our personal sin affects others. You know, you can come up with many examples there, but Jonah's rebellion affected the Ninevites. Um, they would not hear the call to repentance unless he went. It affected the pagan sailors because he was unrepentant in the boat. And so when we turn our backs on God, we rebel. It does have implications on others. Others mm-hmm. become victims of our stubbornness and our attitudes and our self-centered nature and our self-loathing. And so um, I, I think that, that was one of the things I really tried to focus on in chapter one was to call us to repentance as a people, uh, knowing that it does affect others, um, not only those around you, but also those you're called to, to live on mission for, to, to proclaim the gospel to. Um, you know, and then I would say third, just reminding the people that we are Nineveh. Um, Jesus came to save us, and unlike Jonah, Jesus said yes. You know, um, you know, like the sailors, like the Ninevites, we need to be saved uh, from God's judgment against sin. And the good news for us is that Jesus, even though he was not like disobedient Jonah, he he did hurl himself into the storm of God's wrath so that we might be delivered onto the shore of grace and. Um, I think when Jesus sunk to the, the the depths of death on our behalf, he made it possible for us to be saved. And so I think you really can just champion the gospel of grace in this book in a way that's just that's just beautiful. And a lot of times I think regular church goers don't see those connections. And so I think doing the work of biblical theology helps open the text for them in a, in a brand new way that becomes beautiful and really hopefully will melt their hearts to see the grace of God for undeserving sinners. That's good as you're saying kind of how sin affects the whole people. Obviously, Paul picks that up in in First Corinthians five, the little eleven, yeah. eleven's the whole lump. And so a way they can make application to to how sin affects others. John, uh, application illustrations you used for your folks. Yeah. So I what I really went after was this this idea of mission and uh to the nations and um and really kind of tackled that just like ancient Israel, we can fall into ethnocentrism where we think that we're better than others because of mm the fact that we're Americans or whatever, and that can, that can be a hindrance to mission. And so I asked, so I just kind of asked a lot of questions. Um, like one of the questions, so one of the last times I preached this, the, the very near where I was preaching, there was a, a bunch of, um, immigrants who had been rounded up 
and we're uh, we're being detained and possibly about to be deported. And so I just asked the question, like when you when you hear this news report, is your first instinct to process the news report as an American or as a Christian? Mm. And so I'm not trying to get into the politics of what you think about immigration or anything like that. I'm just saying, what what is your default mode of how you process news? And um, if it's not if it's as an American, not as a Christian, then then you may be in danger of what Jonah was in danger of, of of you know not seeing the world and having the heart for the world that God has. And so I, I kind of just go after like, how do you view Muslims? How do you view foreigners? Do you view them as enemies? Um, would you ever consider befriending somebody who had come here from, from who's a different nationality uh, for the sake of the gospel? Um, I, I go after th- this idea that people would say, well, we're too, you know, we don't need to focus on missions. We've got plenty of work to do here and we've got, plenty of lost people here. And that's all true. Um, but if, but what I just said in the sermon is like, if that's your, if that's your attitude, then you're like Jonah. Mm-hmm. And that's not a commendable thing according to scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, I, I kind of closed out with um, some statistics and I, th- I don't know if these are dated at this point, but, and then a story. So I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. And then Josh, 80% of international students. So these are, these are people who are foreigners who are coming here to go to college. 80% of them will never enter an American church while they're in the U S 75% of them will never enter a, an American home while they're here. And so what does that say to us about whether or not we resonate with the heart of God? And then I, I tell a story about, a I was interviewed at, at a, ERLC conference a couple of years ago by a reporter from uh, Wall Street Journal, religion reporter, reporter, and the reason that she she was a Jehovah's Witness, and the reason why she was from she was from um, I think Iran. Um, the only people who ever were nice to her or ever came into their home to talk to them were Jehovah's Witnesses, and so that's why they became Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, it's just amazing what what could have happened um, if mm-hmm. we had gone and done what gospel people are supposed to do. Josh, what about for you guys? A lot of the same sort of major applications, then a couple just sort of quick sort of throw out ones. One was Jonah shows up um, in Tarshish and it says there's, or he shows up in Joppa and finds a ship going to Tarshish and just how easily we could rationalize disobedience to God because it works out. Um, well, hmm. you know, God must have wanted me to do it because look at the ship was right there. Uh, it reminded me of this <laughs> story Spurgeon told about a friend from school who had a terrible temper. He said, whenever he got angry, he picked something up and threw it. Then Spurgeon said, very Spurgeon way, right? What struck me forcibly was not that he got angry, nor that he threw something when he was angry, but that whenever he was angry, there was always something at hand to throw. And <laughs> just how, when circumstances seem to work out, We'll take that as a sign that this is God's will, even if it's clearly contrary to what he says. So that was one. Hmm. Another one was um, I gave some encouragement to parents. Uh, I think a lot of parents struggle with guilt, particularly with their sort of sharing the gospel with their kids, always feeling like they fail. And I just said, Hmm. and Jonah is the worst evangelist ever. And yet everyone around him gets saved. Like in chapter one, (laughs) chapter three. I mean, he really, you couldn't think of a worse evangelist. <laughs> and yet, 
like God is saving people. And just, I just use it as a word of encouragement to our parents. Like you may feel like you're failing, but God can still take his word and he can, he can use it to save. Um, And then uh, that made a connection to Joppa and Acts 10 uh, that what we see happening here in Jonah, we actually sort of, we see Peter uh, potentially going down the same path. We see uh, Peter potentially going down the same path where he is. Um, he's mm. resisting God's call to go to the Gentiles um, in Joppa mm. of all places. But then he then he responds correctly. So it was an opportunity for us really to look at Jonah and Peter and say, you know, we have the spirit. We're followers of Christ. You know, this is the example we follow, which is Peter's, not Jonah's. Those are a few others. This podcast is generously sponsored by the Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and international Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned, missionally driven, and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. Good stuff. Um, we'll shut down after this. John, you kind of mentioned in the first part of the summary of the chapter, just the severity of the violence and the brutality of the Ninevites. But then it's been said often throughout, we are the Ninevites. So how did you, any any of you guys, missed to John maybe in particular, but any of you guys, how you tried to draw the bridge between the severity of their sin and the severity of our sin? I didn't, um, I didn't focus in on that. Uh, on us being Nineveh. So I'd love to hear if Matt or Josh have anything to say about that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of approached it as, you know, the, the idea of we have respectable sins, you know, because we can, we can comparatively look at the Ninevites and say, well, we're much better off than they are. You know, we're not ripping people's arms off or we're not, we're, we're not a city of blood. Um, but in actuality, before God, you know, we're all in need of grace. You know, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so I, I, that's another way you get at the the self righteous religion of you could say the American South, you know this comparative sense of well I'm not as bad as the Ninevites right? I'm not as bad as you know so and so, but in actuality that can be um, one of the, the the easiest ways for you to avoid or not see your need for grace. Uh, I think actually that's probably the biggest problem in American Christianity is religion or self righteousness. Um, I think even greater than um, obvious sinful behaviors, it's it's the religiosity of America that's actually keeping people from Christ. So I, I try to approach it that way um, in my sermon. Let me let me piggyback in there because just thinking about this now, you triggered something that, and I I can't remember the exact cities. I'm not uh, that Jesus mentions, but and I don't know if Nineveh is one of them. But Jesus will mention to religious people, "Hey, it's going to be better for what Tyre and Sidon, Sodom and Gomorrah." Yeah in the judgment than it is for you uh, because yeah. if the works have been done and then, you know, we're done here, they would have repented. And so that, I think that's a good way to, if you're in a Bible belt context to say, you know, you're actually going to be held to a greater account than even some of these nations that did not have the hmm. special revelation of God. Yeah. That's good. Any final thoughts, brothers? Good stuff. Well, that's chapter one of Jonah, and we appreciate you listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. We'll pick up uh, next week with chapter two.
Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.